Yes, it is that time of the year, the new year. Happy New Year. Um, yeah, I have no words to describe the feeling that I'm experiencing at this point in the new year. No, man. Um, hope you guys had a wild time and enjoyed bringing in this rotation of the calendar. And another one begins. Dunk, dunk, dunk. Another one bites the dust. I don't think it's going to be that. But, of course, uh, I don't think you should look... I think you should all set a resolution for yourself. The first week of the new year, you can start it at any point. And I've spoken about this every first episode of every new year. Maybe I haven't. Maybe it's been in my head and I haven't brought it out to public. Uh, sorry, that's my... I have no clue what's going on. Yeah, clearly... Something going on. There's some stuff which is a uh, New Year uh, <laughs> craze going on. No, it's just the constant uh, noise which is at home. I apologize. That's my dog barking at an insect which she's extremely uh, intimidated by. But hey, what are you going to do about it? Anyhow, so as I said, um, a couple of things you can do. Now, for the first thing is, I think I'm starting my New Year Today, and uh, by today I mean the 3rd of January. I've recorded this a few days before the episode comes out. Oh my God, <gasps> he led us into a secret. But I think you should figure out a day that works for you. Uh, another thing is the resolution which I mentioned is to not read any form of news for the first week of the year. Or maybe for the rest of the year. Because it's fo totally full of shit. I mean, unless of course you have a good news source and you really want the news. Because I think you can really live a life of peace and enjoyment without being uh, bogged down by uh, unnecessary shit that you don't need to know about. Like, um, I was reading the news today. And um, there was stuff uh, which, um, you know, something to do with flights being cancelled. Of course, now you, if you are a person flying, you obviously are on top of it and you need to read up on the updates that the airline or the travel industry is posting. But if I'm sitting here, the first thing on the Guardian app was 4,000 plus flights cancelled. I'm like, oh, fuck. Um, it's, it's bad for people flying. I'm not flying anywhere, anytime soon. Uh, and even if I am, it's within um, India. And that flight... And those flights aren't affected. So why the fuck do I care, right? The second thing now, a um, uh, couple of other news articles. And, and you know, because for me, the thing is, I like news which is interesting. Like, for instance, they were talking about the guy in the, the, the great leader who fought apartheid in South Africa. I think Desmond Tutu, that's his name. Uh, and how they use this process called acclimation to... Um, to to break down his remains, his mortal remains into um, an urn. They didn't use cremation, but they used aquamation, which is a process developed by laboratories uh, to get uh, done with remains of animals that they were testing on. So this is a more environmentally friendly procedure. I see that's information that I've shared with you. Now you can read up more about it if that it's something that interests you. And that's the way you want to be um, sent off back to the mud as one of these authors that i'm reading says it beautifully back to the mud um if it doesn't interest you fuck it you don't know you don't you're like yeah this guy's talking shit cool but things like four thousand flights or how boris johnson's christmas party like fuck boris johnson uh he doesn't affect me he doesn't affect you um 
what are the other things? Oh, like for instance, now, yeah, see, there's a thing, that company called Evergreen or Evergrande in China, the real estate company, uh, they're no longer trading on the, um, their shares are no longer trading on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Now, if you're a person who's invested or you're a person in finance, okay, cool. But why the fuck do I need it? I'm saying, you need to figure out what you want from your news. Do you want news that informs you? Do you want news that agitates you? Do you want news that you can just sort of take it up and vomit it out in conversations so you look like you're worldly? that you're a person who's aware and why do you have to be aware now if you're if you're someone um whose job or someone who wants to talk about it and sometimes i I'd, I'd like to read this stuff because you know there are things like about the planet like you know that entire thing which happened in in denmark was horrific and i was like fuck i need to find people to talk about what um is being done um to prevent like whaling and those kind of things for the podcast so i like to keep an eye out keep an ear out um and i use the guardian as one of my sources and sometimes you come across some amazing people doing amazing work and sometimes i come across ideas to bitch about and to ponder so that's why i get my news but I realize many times it's like, okay, there's another thing. Like I, people are talking about the Omicron variant and how it's, um, how Fauci is uh, being grouchy and saying shit like, oh, we don't have to look at case numbers, case loads, we have to look at hospitalization numbers and all these things. Now, the I think a lot of times um, we have to look at the local situation when it comes to, a, of course, with the pandemic or with travel, which affects us. But many times I'm like, why, why are we bothered about things? Because... Uh, happening at the other end of the globe, right? Because while it is, of course, a combined effort of humanity to uh, this thing, clearly uh, a collective effort has not been balanced when it comes to fucking up uh, resources, right? It's been an imbalanced approach where certain countries have been more greedy with the way they have consumed resources and other countries just fuck a lot more and have a lot more people. So it really is an imbalanced approach. So why is it like, oh my God, I feel so bad for like the color. Yes, I don't get it. If you're that kind of person who wants to feel bad and just be like, oh my God, poor things, then you read the news for your own reasons. But what I'm trying to say is, Come to a point of understanding yourself as to why you want inputs in your life, whether it's information, whether it's news, whether it's gossip, whatever the fuck it may be. Uh, do it and then enjoy it. Otherwise, don't fucking do it. It's that simple. But hey, um, while we're on the cozy topic of Omicron, I found out, I didn't find out, some other journalist, uh, some brave investigative journalist has um, put out this thing. And as I get the, another thing I read in the news today is um, there's this thing. They call it the mystery illness, the neurological thing. They don't know what it is. Uh, in New Brunswick, Canada, where all the people from Canada live. Um, and no jokes about this, but there is apparently this thing which is attacking youngsters. It's a neurological uh, attack. It's an attack on their neuro neurological systems where like suddenly like 30-year-old people are just... It's like a wasting disease where like they're, 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 they go to this fugue, uh, their, their muscles start wasting, their brain starts start sort of getting into confusion, they get disorientated, hallucinating, and they don't know what it is. And uh, the gov I think there's one whistleblower, another whistleblower for the new year, has said that it's cause for concern, but the public authorities are hushing it down. They don't know what they said. It's a BMAA, it's some chemical or something which is found in lobsters or something along the coast. I don't know enough. But... If it's the if it's something which they're trying to hush, I think they said eight people died last year, uh, beginning of the year, forty eight people. Something. It's so maybe this is something that we have to worry about. 
uh, and we're kind of being sidelined by COVID and Omicron. Maybe there's a there's a real threat from New Brunswick, and it's being hushed because it's a Western country and not the Eastern Bloc or the East Asian or whatever the the dreaded enemy states. So think about that. Maybe that's a bit of news that you need to look into. And if you did look into it and maybe later down the line it's something which I hope it's not, I hope those people recover. But yeah, it's it's the shit that our environment, and we need to know what's happening in our environment. Because however connected the world is, uh, yes, I would like to save the Amazon. And I think that's an important, noble cause. But I also am more affected by what's going on at the fucking lake next door. Because that is going to affect my health more immediately. And it's going to have more of an impact on the groundwater that I'm drinking, the air that I'm breathing, and the particles in the air that are going into my fucking organs. Then... The Amazon, because of course, yes, burning down the trees, clearing the Amazon, of course, it's going to wipe out a lot of species. It's going to contribute to greenhouse gases or rather not regulating greenhouse gases. But that'll probably affect me in 10 years or maybe 15 years. But overflowing sewage or lakes being completely sort of uh, taken over for housing developments, proper sort of uh, ways of... um, you know, the old plans where we could have water runoffs, we could have sewage management, all that being taken away, or trees being cut down, or whatever the shit is happening around my house, is my local environment, which I have to be worried about more than the little Greta Thunberg, I was going to say the C word, but no, I'm not going to say it, Um, screaming about it, because I understand, of course, but look out around you, that I'm being one of those uh, militant... uh, Table activist, desktop activist, those armchair activists, I think that's the right word. So sitting there for the sake of arguing, and I have friends like this, just for the sake of fucking arguing. They're like, no, I, I, I think, and about anything and everything, right? They know everything about um, pregnancy to, they know everything about the environment. They know everything about uh, how history and um, how the patriarchy is fucking it up, how tos- toxic masculinity is the worst thing. And I'm like, fuck, okay, but do you know, can you clean your own shit, bitch? Kind of thing, right? And they clearly don't. Um, so yeah, this is just something which I'm sort of approaching the new year with. It's one of those times where you ponder life and you think about how you want to live your life and how you want to approach the new year. And I know it's a calendar year. It's just the same day. It's just another same 24-hour cycle. It's just another spin of the planet. But I suppose it's it's a good time because we're forced to sort of think in this way. We've been conditioned that the new year's a new start. So since that's the conditioning that we've all been brought up with, um, might as well use it as a point to reset the approach to life, the reset the way in which we evaluate what is important, what we want to do, how we want to look at life and what we and why we do things that we do. So that's just a little uh, starting thing for this episode. But Having said that, I'm going to move on to the conversation with my guest. And as the title of the episode would have let you into the secret, the guy's name is Papa CJ. He's a friend. He's a comedian. He's been at it for quite a few years, as you'll find out. He's um, he, he does a lot of um, private and corporate shows, but he's also done a few public shows. We worked together. We were together in Edinburgh for a few uh, weeks. We got drunk, um, very drunk a few times, but we got drunk 
very often. So there's both combinations. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to catch up with him and talk about what's going on in his life and how he, um, you know, kind of handled his uh, business during the lockdown and 2021. And we did this in the last week of December. It's coming out now for your listening pleasure as we speak. So uh, do follow him. All his details are in the, in the description. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. It's fun. Just a couple of guys shooting the shit. And thank you for being a listener of this podcast. I really appreciate all the time you've spent listening to my my trash, my crap, my opinions, my theories. Um, from the bottom of my heart, uh, I sincerely thank you. And I hope you have a fantastic year ahead. And I hope you... Do whatever it takes to find that peace of mind, the balance and the sense of happiness that I think all of you deserve. So enjoy the conversation. Enjoy life. Enjoy 2022. And as always, goodbye. God bless. Cheers. And see you on the other side. Papa CJ. Mr. CJ, my friend, welcome to the podcast. How are you? All good, my friend. All good. What's I want to on? throw every pronoun at you, man. <laughs> Just want to confuse the fuck out of Papa, Mr. Sister. Dude, sister. this is uh, this is 2022, so pronouns are very important now. Hey, not yet, not yet. I think this will be easy. Yours will be the last episode, if not. Oh, maybe I think yours is going to be the first episode of 2022, man. How cool is that? So we're 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 kicking off the Sopira show so, with uh, someone who cares about pronouns. <laughs> you 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 start off people's ears with a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it, dude. I think the world is a disappointment. I think we existing is some. I don't know. You know, how has it been for you? Um, because I think the last we met did, was it was two thousand. No, did we meet after the fringe? I don't think so. You know, here's the funny thing. Actually, yesterday I was going through some old photos. Uh-huh. And I remember the night we spent at the Apatois, which is the bar in uh, at the yeah. Fringe. The access which you got me into with uh, all these big comedians there, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was just looking at some of those photographs of you with, you know, Dara O'Brien and uh, yeah. Jason Byrne, Ed Byrne. And you're like a kid in a candy shop, man. <laughs> I really was. Man, because you were like, uh, you know, Navi's like, uh, she said the same thing. She's like, God, this Sandeep last night was like, oh my God, it's Dara O'Brien. Now they said it's this guy. Uh, who are the other people there? I think Jimmy Carr was there. I didn't meet him. Daniel Schloss was there. Then there was, um, yeah. was Graham Norton there? Mm. Jimmy was there. Daniel was there. No, Graham wasn't there that ah. night. But it was amazing. Then I ended up meeting Phil Nickel, who had performed at B flat. And I was like, I know you. He's like, I know yeah. you. Let's get drunk. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. Phil is uh, great. Yeah, he's just such a fireball of energy. Oof. And dude, I, I don't know how famous he is, but that ego hasn't got to him, man. He was just the same guy who came and partied with us in Bangalore, you know? And you know, I find that I find that happens a lot with a lot of the comics I've worked with on the circuit in the UK, mm. who are now just really famous acts. Mm. are still just regular guys, you know? I mean, mm. this whole celebrityness doesn't really uh, get, get to, to the heads of, you know. But it, it, I mean, have you noticed, have you done a lot of, okay, uh, let's, yeah, have you done a lot of work in the US? Because that's some place I haven't, I mean, I haven't done the UK or the US, I've done the fringe, yeah. that's about it. But you've done both countries. Uh, See, both I haven't con- done a lot in the US, but you know, also what I found, uh, one of the key differences that, mm. so I've done about 700 odd shows in the UK, right? And That's where you started out, right? That's when you picked up your socks yeah. from an open mic to being a road yeah. comic, right? Right. 
and stand up in the uk is very much a, much a part of the culture like i've performed yeah. in more than 65 odd cities in the uk right mm. now every town has a comedy club or a comedy night it's just part of the ethos or way of life of that country mm. and uh, for a comedian stand up is an end in itself right in a lot of cases in uh, in the us especially the west coast or sort of la side stand up is a means to an end you know i'm going to do my 7 yeah. minute spot i'm going to get noticed and i'm going to get a development deal for a sitcom so it's about yeah. getting famous or it's about getting tv or about getting film i think it's changing though bro i think there are i think it's gone full cycle full circle because i think now i'm hearing at least from people is that uh you know i think it's a lot of the comedy club cultures a fabric of society but i i think there are people of course who still use it as a way to get to the next level but I, of course now the next level has changed right from uh, sitcoms now it's either web series or uh, ott yeah. uh, contracts right but i think but I, i'm just going to interrupt you there sandeep yeah. because i question whether is it the next level you know why do we ah, choose absolutely. to call it the next level yeah. no they are, what i meant by next level is yeah. what they perceive it as because of whatever reason they perceive stand up as a stepping stone and i disagree yeah. because i think you and i i think see i to i maybe not entirely i to i but <laughs> you get my drift where yeah. it comes to enjoying this art form and yeah. not worrying about the label so much right because i think that's something i want to ask you like the past 2 years okay almost 2 years yeah um so you've been no we're sitting beginning of 2022 so you've been a stand up comedian uh for what 15 years now 17 years yeah so i started towards the end of 2004 so yeah 17 18, years now yeah 17 18 years and yeah. i i'm about half maybe a little more than half I'm about 11 years in uh yeah. maybe third no maybe actually more that's like 2009 so it's about 13 years maybe and yeah. i want to understand uh two things right one is um maybe maybe asking you the fact that how much has it changed is probably too vast a question because it's too many things that have come yeah. in but maybe okay when when things came to a standstill with the lockdown yeah. uh for someone like you who relies on live shows and yeah. not only on say online revenue be it youtube yeah. or be it with whatever writing assignments yeah. i don't know what your source of income are but you it's, rely a lot on just live stand up man <laughs> live stand up exactly right yeah. so what was it like what were your thoughts at that point you know sandeep i'm the kind of guy who's not uh, one i don't panic mm. you know i'm not uh, whenever i'm in a situation and something changes like like covid coming around yeah. i'm not suddenly thinking oh you know uh, crap my you know my my source of income is not going to be mm. around mm. two fortunately my needs are very limited you know mm. uh i'm i'm very fortunate that i don't have to pay rent yeah and even if i tried i don't think i can spend more than 20000 rupees in a month because i hardly eat out you know mm. i'll buy one shirt that fits you know if it I'll, i'll pick a shirt that fits i'll buy five colors i'm done for the next two years mm. i don't have expensive tastes i'll mm. play maybe one round of golf a month which will cost me 2000 rupees and yeah. uh, i'll eat out three or four times so mm. when your cost of living is low then you're a little less stressed but also mm. what tends to happen is that I, i i i'm never stressed about change and i always somehow i'm able to look at the positive now all my yeah. life i've gone around i've never been just like you i'm not a big youtube person or a you know i 
I'm not, I don't enjoy sort of being in front of the camera and then spending time editing and posting and promoting. It's just not, you know, what I want to spend my time. It's doing. a lot of work. Yeah. 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 I mean, I didn't leave the corporate world to join a creative field and be in a rat race in the creative field. You know. yeah, and you know, that's what gets me. Like when I watch some of these golf YouTube videos, whether it's Rick Shields or whether it's it's James Robinson or whether it's someone making these car reviews, uh, it's it's fantastic. I like consuming it because I love uh, to see oh. what's out there. But as someone, I like this. I like doing what I'm doing now. And because it's yeah. free flowing, I, I don't have to sit now and, you know, make timestamps and go back to it. And because it's not yeah. my strength, right? My strength is to yeah. enjoy conversations and make people yeah. laugh or entertain them in whatever shape or yeah. form I can. But yeah. it is a lot of work. And yeah. in fact, you know, I think... And we're, and we're lazy fuckers, man. We didn't get of into course. this profession because yeah. we want to work hard. I mean, I'd rather, <laughs> if I'm working that one hour, I'd rather work it out on stage or I work on a new joke, yeah. you know, as opposed to how do I yeah. use the right, how do I use the right title to get the algorithm to work in my favor? I'm like, are you fucking crazy, dude? No, <laughs> Seriously, dude. No, but I mean, you know, you mentioned this thing of becoming a simpler person. Sorry, I just wanted to talk about that point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I I don't think I'm against any of these platforms. I think they're all tools, right? YouTube or social yeah. media in general. They're just tools. And some people use it well. Some people have decided to yeah. make that their livelihood. And sure. you and I have chosen not them. to. Exactly. Yeah. But you you mentioned this thing of living a simpler life now. Uh, yeah. Was and was that the case in this space of entertainment for you through your entire comedy thing? Or were you a flashier person and went through the entire rigmarole of, oh my God, I'm famous. People recognize me. I'm going to party all night. I have the ladies. No. And they, were you ever that see, person? See, one, I grew up in a family where we never had the income to be that kind of person. Okay. You know. Okay. Uh, so as a result, you never had those habits and you never mm. developed those tastes. You know, hmm. but and I'm sure you did see the life when you were traveling as a corporate comic, when you were living from five star to five star, living on your suitcase, business class here, there, here, there. You oh, I love yeah. that. Don't get mm -hmm. me wrong. I love the, I love being on a business class flight. I love staying in nice hotels. Mm -hmm. uh, I love being able to pick up the phone in a nice hotel and say, I want, you know, and whatever yeah. comes after that, yeah. they're supposed to do. Uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I absolutely love that. I still do. Mm -hmm. You know, but a lot of these hotels you stay at when you travel for work, you know, sometimes you go, you want to go on a holiday and you call to check what they cost and you're like, what? Yeah, I yeah, remember yeah. once I was doing a show in New York and mm. my client had put me up for three nights at the Mandarin Oriental on mm. Columbus Circle overlooking Central Park. Mm. So, uh, you know, I thought, you know what, why don't I extend for a day? I can pick, <laughs> I can pick up the cost on my own. So I called up reception. It's a, it's a Manhattan hotel, so it's tiny, right? Yeah. And I called up the hotel and I said, you know, I wanted to stay one more night. What would the room cost me? Mm. I said, sir, it'll be only $950. You're so crazy, dude. <laughs> I called up my cousin and I went and slept on his couch. I was the like, I'll take the couch, buddy. <laughs> See, this is why it's good to be an Indian, right? One is you get audiences around the world. Second, you have sofas around the world. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? This is I find this is what the difference is with, I mean, I'm 44 now, almost 45. Mm. With right. our generation and this new Gen Z, right? Now people go for holidays to places they want to go, right? Mm. We used to go for holidays to places where we had somebody who we could stay with. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, true, true, true. Let's go there because that person is there. Let's go there yeah. because that person is there. Yeah. No, and I think that's a very, It's. I think it's a great generation. Uh, it also has, of course, its downsides with the 
amount of input they have. I think many of them have grown up with smartphones and social media, yeah. so there is definitely some detriment to their mental health. But yeah. the, I think a lot of them are in the thing where we were told that, okay, you know, you have to have this thing. You have these checkboxes that you check to be considered a yeah. successful member, contributing member of your family mm -hmm. and society. Yeah. But a lot of them are like, fuck it. I don't want to save up to buy a house. I don't have to buy a car. Yeah. I'll use Uber. I'll, use, yeah. I'll rent the dream house that I want. I'll travel yeah. and work wherever I want. I think that's amazing, right? Not having that yeah. attachment or that pressure Absolutely. but at the same time when they don't have that they are pressured by this image that social media wants them to keep and many of them can't break that trap and i think that is a little scary and sad in some situations you know yeah i think this you know this whole uh, sense of self-worth that is coming from external validation yeah you know this constant need for likes and shares and yeah uh, i can't imagine it's good for anybody's well-being and okay, I want to use that as a point in our career, right? Because stand up, um, when you started out, was yeah. just when Russell Peters' YouTube uh, sensation was starting out, two thousand four, yeah. right? I think it just kicked off then. So yeah. um, now, what I what I don't get is, you know, for me, twenty twenty was a wake up call, right? Because it was about. Uh, 10 years in, maybe just about 10 years in into comedy, I just finished recording yeah. my special, which I never thought I'd give it that much attention. For me, I always love performing live. The joke takes yeah. a different sort of um, angle. It takes a sort of yeah. life of its own in each show, sometimes yeah. for the better, sometimes for the worse. Yeah. But I actually did a, I, I, as scripted as possible. Like I'm not a scripted person at all, but I had to worry yeah. about the camera crew, which I've paid for. So I'm like, well, there's a lot of money online. Yeah. So that's, yeah. the closest I've come to a, a proper recording, taping of a special. And yeah. then I then this lockdown happened and I, you know, I'm the kind of person typically would be like, oh, fuck, what's next? But I didn't panic yeah. because as you said, I was, I have a home, I have food and yeah. I think I can manage. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not the kind of guy who's got investments and savings everywhere. I was safe. Yeah. But then... It was a great wake up call for me to understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing. And that's in yeah. all aspects of my life, whether it's whether I'm working out, is it for someone else or for me? Am I? Yeah. Uh, because that's all external validation, right? Because you're built yeah. into, the, into this feedback loop where you work out, yeah. whether it's your mom or your wife or your girlfriend or your friends yeah. will be like, dude, you're amazing. You're fit looking or someone on social media is like, dude, you're looking buff. And you're like, OK, I'm going to do another workout yeah. as opposed to you doing it for yourself and not worrying about the outcome. Right. Yeah. And the same thing in stand up. I realized that 2020 had gotten to a point with all the conversations. And I think we've spoken about this with the the noise around us, whether it's like who's got what special, how many tickets this one sold, how many shows, how many tours, how many jokes, how many fans. Yeah. It became more about that than the prime reason why I got into stand up, which is, hey, that's fucking funny. Let's share it with what? a group of people. You know, So I think I, I think I'm slightly I'm slightly removed from that. I understand exactly yeah. what you're saying. But yeah. I've never been part of that whole uh, who's got how many fans, who's got how many specials. Mm. I always wish, you know, well on everybody. Great yeah. that people are succeeding. Yeah. But also, I'm very clear about the fact that I I got into this profession for me, you know, mm. because yeah. it's, uh, it's something that I enjoy doing. So even though mm. there may be aspects of this profession which are, from an external point of view, seen as markers of success... Yeah, I'm not gonna chase them. I mean, so for How example, how do you the stay fact away is, from it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's when you when you've got your values and priorities right. You know, when right. I did Last Comic Standing uh, in the US, right? It was a it was a global TV show. I got into the top ten. I had yeah, that was your US, big break, right? Your first break. I had a US 
work permit for two years, you know, 15 million people in the U.S. watch that program, it sets you up for making a career in the U.S. And, and, you know, in fact, I I spoke to Butch Bradley, uh, CJ, and he was telling me about how a guy who won AGT or was one of the finalists on America's Got Talent as a comedian has this sold out night at the Vegas club uh, next door to where Butch performs. And, yeah. you know, the reason why he brought that up is he said, dude, that guy did really well for like eight yeah. minutes or 10 minutes. But he people will come going, oh, that's the guy from AGT or whatever. But he's not able to hold them after a point. So I just wanted yeah. to so, bring that in there. Yeah, yeah. Because- so there's two two aspects to it. One, so but at that point, I didn't go to the US. I decided to come back to India because I wanted to be close to my family. That yeah. is what is more important to me. Right. Today, the fact is, if I'm sitting out of Bombay, my career, supposedly, as they say, uh, career, mm. can progress at five times the pace. You yes. know, because you're in Bombay, you're doing sitcoms, you're writing, whatever. Yeah. But throughout the lockdown, every single day, I get to go and have a coffee with my dad yeah, in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Now, that is more important to me. Yeah. You know, and with regard to what you said about Butch, uh, you know, what happens is nowadays, I sometimes say that people want to learn the tricks of the trade before they learn the trade. Yeah, right? that's what because he was saying. You'll, yeah. you'll do this five-minute video, you'll get you know, to 5 million views, you'll fill up a theater, but 5 million views on the internet doesn't teach you how to hold a live audience for an hour. Yeah. You know? And you see a so, lot of those examples nowadays where the people are like, oh my God, it's this It's more the selfie. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, oh my God, it's amazing. And it's, I mean, I feel bad for some of these guys because they don't, they haven't worked out how it's you know it's 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 amazing to be in front of the cameras man i think it's great but i think uh not taking away from anyone's success i um you know it's terrifying sometimes to know that you have five people in a hundred seater and you still have to do that show the way they deserve to hear it but when you do do it for those five people with that the feeling is fucking amazing it it makes you feel like one hour i did a one hour edinburgh show for three people once Hey, three. That's, that's three more than I had for most of mine. <laughs> <laughs> three in a hundred seater, dude. Oh, you had a hundred. Okay. Now I know the 45 seater. You. It crushes it, you. But it, yeah. But also, I remember doing a gig in, uh, uh, there was this other, uh, another 200 seater. I did a show for 11 people mm. from 10 different countries. And it was fantastic. Yeah, like, man. What, and what people don't realize is that performing to 11 people is much harder than performing to a thousand. I think because that can't be stressed enough. I think uh, I was just going. To, I was just thinking about that, right? When there are eleven people, like, and this is where the rooms like B flat and Humming Tree made yeah. me a stronger comedian. Is yeah. Um, when you just have them cheering because that's what bigger groups do. They're like one person cheers or ten people cheer. The remaining twenty are like we look like fools if we don't cheer or whatever, right? That yeah. sort of wave so builds up. But in a, in, that, in, a th- in a, Exactly. In a thousand seater, if yeah. 500 people don't laugh, no problem. You've still got laughter. That's a bigger got, percentage. Yeah. Bigger number when you've laughing. you've got 11 people there, if yeah. seven of them don't laugh, yeah. the other four will also think, fuck, we better shut up. Otherwise, we'll look like the weird guys laughing. Yeah. So yeah but you mentioned this important thing once. I, 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 and I like that line. You mentioned that uh, as you get more comfort- comfortable and more confident as a performer, as a, as a stand-up, um, you get to appreciate. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to quote you on this, but in in a, in a nutshell, you said you get to appreciate those silences and don't panic by and and you don't panic and you don't panic. Uh, and so, you don't basically rush the laughter. Uh, you know. So here's the thing, right? The true test of an audience, yeah. I believe, is not how much they're laughing or clapping. Mm. 
because and you learn this the hard way i remember i did a gig uh, it was a black underground comedy club mm. in london mm. and it was run by a comedian called kojo based in the uk yeah. and we did this gig that night it was insane the guys were clapping cheering they were banging on the chairs they were standing up they were hooting mm. and the next day i go to this gig in a you know very proper upper middle class town southwest of england mm. and i do this show and people are like smiling you know there's a little ho 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 it's nice you know very polite and i thought i was dying on stage ah. i felt terrible i walked off stage and people came up to me say oh we really enjoyed that and i was like boss why couldn't you tell your face <laughs> but but then you realize that people enjoy things differently yeah so the test of an audience is not how much they're laughing or clapping but when you pause how much silence there is because then you know you've got them in the palm of your hand you know mm. and because in in an audio auditorium if there's a thousand people 20 people laugh you've got laughter yeah. 20 people clap you've got applause but for silence all 1000 of them need to participate yeah and yeah. it's an incredibly powerful feeling it actually you feel power mm. when just before the punchline you pause this pin drop silence and then you drop that punchline and boom oh my god it yeah. is magic and that and you know that can never happen at a corporate right because you're not in control of the environment because I mean, the fucking bar is open somebody exactly. said yaar ek beer dena venture exactly <laughs> and i find that very insulting not to me but any performer right like the thing is that you're 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 i mean as you said the open bar or whether yeah. it's it's kind of like your you know that 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 ambient noise you're the elevator music <laughs> so people but, but you know sandeep i figured out so in fact i run a a, a training program or yeah. a coaching program which is called a comedian's guide to communication strategy mm. and i break down how as comics uh, the strategies we use to grab and retain attention yeah. in an age of limited attention spans and how that applies to corporates or individuals yeah one of the things i talk about is exactly this you know this is what happens in a corporate show a lot of comedians will say oh it's terrible because the bar mm. is happening this night and this is the, the lesson that i pull out of that is that so at a corporate show i tell you i'll tell my client that this is the scene see music can run in the background for us people need to shut up and listen yeah and unlike uh, a regular gig a stage show where people have come to watch you at a corporate show they've come for an awards or something else and you're telling yeah. them to shut up and listen to this person they've so come to network an, or ask like or whatever they do at corporate so uh, we make an announcement in advance there's a comedy show it's going to start in 15 minutes the bar will be closed the show will last for 40 minutes If you're the kind of person who needs three drinks in forty minutes, pick up your three drinks and grab a seat. Mm. So the lesson I try and take out is that today I have something wonderful to offer the client or my yeah. consumer or my you know whoever it is. Yeah. You have to educate them on yeah, how yeah, to yeah, get yeah, the yeah. best out of you. Sometimes no, they just don't know. Um, so that's really important. Yeah, because you can't. You know, one thing I've noticed is now people think that it's not there. I I feel when 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 people are jumping the gun, right? And uh, and, yeah. and I don't mean that every oh you know you know the conversation, right? Like oh I have I had it hard, so everyone should learn. Yeah, no, I don't think that's the case. But I think there are certain basic fundamental learning. Like for instance, if you if you're performing in a room which is not set up for comedy, then you change it up, change up the chairs, set up the mic, do a sound check. But I feel. in a in when some people jump the queue as things get easier as you know people come in saying oh there's already four or five companies who are willing to manage me uh, what yeah. what happens is i mean there's a fun 
idea in, I'm not saying it's, it's fun to perform for one person and everyone should do it. It's of course, we, it's a part of the journey. I've done it. You've done it. Not, not everyone has to do it, but when you know how a room should feel for comedy, it makes you a better performer as opposed to someone who is sitting on the tour bus or in your five star yeah. suite yeah. and someone's done a sound check. You walk and be like, Hey, I'm too, I'm too cool for school or whatever it may be your attitude and you perform, Sandeep, but you don't get a feel for the room. We're just jaded old fuckers because these young whippersnappers are passing us by <laughs> and I, showing us the middle finger through the window while they do so. <laughs> I mean, I'm perfectly fine with them because I won't be able to see the middle finger. But <laughs> I, I just feel there's a charm in it, man. Like, you know, I, I'm not, I don't arrange chairs, dude. Like, it's sometimes I've been like, are you fucking crazy, dude? It's, I, 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 do. I don't. If I, I was don't. In, no, I'm saying if I was in the UK and you're giving me heavy objects, that is a liability in the, yeah. in, because it's not well, safe like, for me. I to was walk in the gig last week. Yeah. I was in a gig last week in Assam and I was doing this coaching workshop first and then the stand up. Yeah. I physically moved the chairs myself. I will still do it at any gig that I go to because yeah, yeah, yeah. I need that room to be perfect for stand up. Absolutely. I will yeah, move no. the chairs, I will create the aisles, I will do whatever I need to. Yeah. to ensure that the environment is set up for me to succeed. I think that's important the, the environment, right? And okay, yeah. speaking of environment, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the environment we're in today? <laughs> um, the, I don't know. I don't know what, what to, to, to focus you know, on. It's a, it's a funny thing because I, in many ways, I'm uh, ignorant by choice. And also, I don't care. I kind of live in my own little bubble. Yeah. I do my own little shows. 99% of my work in India is all, all sort of corporate and private events, which are all closed doors. Yeah, I do corporate training. I write a newsletter. I do some writing stuff. So, so you can survive by not being, I, I, I wouldn't even say survive. I think thrive by yeah. not being on Amazon, Netflix, on being a YouTube yeah, star. Yeah, sure you can. Mm. I mean, I get 99% of my work from people who've seen me at shows. It's almost all word of mouth. The mm. show that I did in Assam last week, I, I did a show for the entrepreneurs organization. There were 40 people in the audience. Yeah. At the end of the show, one guy literally dragged me out saying, I need you to stay back in Assam for one more day. I have a university. We've got 700 kids that I'm going to get into the auditorium, perform for them tomorrow, which I did. Brilliant. You know? Brilliant. Uh, I think it's something for people to hear. And this is something when I spoke to Butch as well, I think he couldn't emphasize enough is, dude, you got to put in the grunt work, not because, yeah. you know, some old guy said, oh, I put 30 years into comedy somewhere. No, it just makes you a better comedian. Like if you spend more time yeah. at something you do, some people, of course, some people so, might take three, some people might take six years. That's not the point. But the point is yeah. you get better by doing the thing that you want to do. Like if you are on stage, yeah. And even if yeah. you're doing the same joke 10 times, right? Yeah. What you discover, I've noticed, is it's like the guitar. You play the same chord, but you find nuances yeah. that suit me, that make it your own style. That yeah. certain pacing that makes it more CJ-ish or Sandeep-ish. Or you make a, the, yeah. you, st you stand in a certain way, which makes you cocky or less cocky. But it's not you know, about... I got, mm -hmm. I got one of my biggest, I believe, one of my biggest compliments ever was from, from, from Butch Bradley. Yeah, uh, we were performing at the launch of the Crack House Comedy Club in Kuala Lumpur. Mm. Yes, and uh, he was headlining the first night, Oof. and I was on just before him. Yeah, and I was supposed to do twenty-five minutes. Now, Butch that night was—I mean, he was phenomenal. He's one of the best, you know, crowd-working comedians that I've you seen. Some of those guys world. seeing but, live is mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. And I asked him before the show and uh, I said, you know, please, I'd love for you to watch my set, you know, and give me some feedback. I'd appreciate, you know. And when we finished the show, Butch came to me and he said, uh, 
and I, the reason this compliment meant a lot to me is because it came from a road comic who's done the hard yards, who knows how to work a room, you know, yes. so it comes from a credible person. He told me two things. He said, you know, I've, uh, I said, he said, he said, I want to give you two specific, he said, I don't have any feedback. I want to give you two specific compliments. Mm. He said, one is that I've seen, he said, there are very few people who are good at crowd work. He says, there are maybe 10 comics in the whole world that I have seen who yeah. are brilliant at crowd work. Yeah. And he said, you're one of them. Hey, that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And coming from him. And the yeah. second thing he said, he, he was speaking about himself. He said, listen, I'm damn good at what I do. Mm. So I know that I'm damn good at what I do. Yeah. He said, but when you were on stage and I was supposed to go after you, <laughs> he said, I was scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I was scared. He hey, said, that's, I told that's the organizer, it. he said, I went to Rizal. He said, this guy's supposed to do 25 minutes. When he gets to 25 minutes, he needs to get off. Don't you fucking let him do one minute longer. Right? I mean, it's besides the fact that he went on stage and he destroyed Yeah, yeah, show. yeah. He was But phenomenal. you know, that's a sign of a good comedian, right? That he was scared because he wanted to... And I, that's what I love, man, about this, yeah. this, tra this trade. But for, right? Butch, for Butch to say that I was scared It's a huge compliment, exactly. I had to yeah. follow that. I was like, dude... No, and I, I think I every comedian, right, would be scared if they... If, and that's the, that's the sense of insecurity or the sense of nerves that stand-up puts in you is that you see someone doing well... And, and I think that's what I love, right? Is that, oh God, I, he's doing well. I have to do better. As opposed to screw this guy. He's doing well because, yeah. or the, because he's brown. He's playing that yeah, card. Yeah. You know, some people make those excuses, which is bullshit. There's the ones who don't want to kill on stage. I mean, there are these blind comics who keep going on about being blind and stuff. And they totally milk it. <laughs> Bast total bastards. And then these guys who are partially blind, you know, they don't know what to milk. <laughs> but you know, Brendan Burns, I remember Brendan Burns mm. uh, said, that if you really want to know how good a comic is, you follow them on mm. stage. Yeah. You go perform after them. And I learned that when I had to follow Brendan Burns at mm. late in live in Edinburgh at two o'clock in the morning on a weekend. Oof. Fuck, dude. I died on my ass. because <laughs> It's Brendan Burns, man. He goes and shouts at that room for 20 minutes, right? Yeah. And then you go there. Hello, I'm from India. They're like, fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. off. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. But man, did you, did you ever, like you said, you stayed away from this entire thing, but you're a smart guy when it comes to business, right? So did that uh, ever feature in your comedy journey? Did, because you said you wanted to get out of the corporate world, but did yeah. you, were you smart about, okay, were you funny alone or were you a smart comedian as well? And is it important to be both? Uh, I'm going to ask you a question in this case because it's, I don't want to make it only conversational uh, when it comes to this point yeah. because a lot of people listening yeah. will think that before getting good, if, I'm, if I click on, on, online, I've made it or uh, it's better for me to get my website right than get my jokes right. So I want to, for those no, people, so, I want to ask you so what your things. approach was. Yeah. Uh, so one, uh, you got to get your jokes right. There's no hmm. two ways about that. It doesn't matter how good your website is if you don't have the jokes it's, you're not going to be a good comedian. Mm, right. you know? uh, I, but also, you know, this happened earlier in our conversation today. I won't put down the guys who, you know, get these online hits and haven't, you know, picked up the craft yet. Yeah. It's purely because this is the generation they're doing stand-up in, you know. So mm. each person kind of makes their mistakes and learns. 
you'll get a gig people will come you won't be able to hold them you're like oh fuck i need to go back to the drawing board and you know figure yeah. out what this is i think it's a function of the generation in which you learn your craft yeah and there are different things that you need to learn but what's really important i believe is for you to be authentic to yourself if mm. live stand up is what you enjoy fine if you want to be a youtuber or an influencer yeah perfectly fine if that's what yeah. does it but for you but different set of muscles being used in each yeah. kind right yeah but i you, think that's important but it's important to do what you are passionate about and you enjoy not oh everybody's doing it i should do this then it's just yeah, a job yeah that that became the kind you know? of mob mentality in the stand up um sort of group of people was that they have to be on every platform and they have to be present they have to be i'm like dude and of course i'm 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 a part of that i was a part of that yeah. frantic that frenzy right but yeah. i realized fortunately sooner than later that dude it's why am i doing this right i'm i mean first of all why am i trying to create a meme when i can't see the text on it why am i trying to create yeah. an, i mean instagram is the worst platform for someone like me who can't see right but i'm still on it yeah. and yeah. and so, so it's just being stupid about it sometimes yeah. but i think just knowing okay it's just a platform it's out there now you are and you have more than 5 people uh, you have another we, 10 people looking at it fine but we, you know we all get caught into it you know yeah. sometime or the other you all you all get caught into it you'll do things that you're not proud of that you regret you'll be in situations where you try and yeah uh, uh, sort of project yourself and i think the, the biggest thing i learned yeah no, i think the biggest thing i realized is okay these platforms are there now yeah. the thing is i'm sitting at home now if it's say putting it up on x number of platforms yeah x number of people will see it or listen to it now i put it up on another platform i'm not going to go viral but i'm doing it with the intention doing instead of x it's x plus 1 so one more yeah. person might enjoy it that's pretty much the, i know yeah. my awareness i know my reach but if yeah. if it's if it's not too much work why not as opposed but, to oh, i have yeah. to do it you know what i mean but here's the thing i turned off for the last 7 months i've just sort of reactivated my instagram account yeah but for the last 7 months i had deleted my twitter my facebook my instagram Yeah. I was just on LinkedIn. Yeah. And uh, in fact I've just started a newsletter on LinkedIn which is fucking great. I love that. Nice. It's made nice. no difference to my life. Absolutely. No zero difference. I think I've been on Facebook since Instagram back on. It's fucking because it's toxic. You look at what's happening on Twitter, it's just negativity everywhere. Oh god. Let's you know? um Yeah. I think I don't that's... I don't need that energy in my life. I don't need it. You know. I don't know man. You think there is um right now uh, you know for me comedy the influence was listening to a george carlin cd um a rodney dangerfield cd or a robin williams live at uh, broadway cd right there was yeah. no youtube then um yeah. and you know just like music recommendations right my cousin would be like have you heard the grateful dead have you heard a steely dan and i'm like who then you listen to the whole album right you you almost yeah. like chanting the song along with them or yeah. you're quoting the joke with george carlin the bit about say yeah. you know those the the environment the, <laughs> yeah about how religion's the biggest business scam whatever right you kind of yeah. know yeah. every punchline you're laughing in anticipating anticipating the punchline you know the which you already yeah. know to a point of now every day you know youtube feeds you or netflix feeds you the next special and and earlier you would man you would have to work i don't know how how many years to get an hbo 30 yeah. minutes or a comedy central 30 minutes or even to get on a show yeah. like which you did in 2004 or 5 but yeah. do you feel as a result of so much out there access points or so many platforms yeah. which i'm not on but yeah. clearly a lot of comedians are on um yeah. do you think as a result of so much the quality is diluted So here's the thing Sandeep 
I don't really think, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't thing. really, th- I, I don't really think about these things. It's see, times will always change. Yeah. Right. We live in a different time now to when I started doing stand up 17 years ago or when you started yeah. doing it 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And who gives a shit what's going on? You focus yeah. on what works for you. Yeah. You focus on the things that you enjoy. You focus on the quality of your work and mm. what other people are doing. What the, how does it matter? You know, it really yeah. makes no difference. But of course, when there's more volume, there's going to be a greater variance in, in quality as well. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, It's like the Edinburgh Festival. It's the largest arts festival in the world. You mm. can see fantastic stuff. You can see crap, you know, because it's yeah. not a curated festival. Correct. It's just anybody can show up there and perform. Mm. So, I mean, I, I think life's too short to waste time thinking about how other people are doing, what that quality is. Do and if that thing. works and for them, it's not going to work for you. Yeah. And also, you know, I've, I've learned over the years that, you know, people never uh, underestimate somebody's ability, never ever think that somebody is terrible because people who you think are terrible, we were all mm. terrible at some point, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll turn around and fucking surprise you. No, so the ones who are terrible that, and know it are the ones who are putting in that much more work uh, into yeah, themselves. They, at, at least they're just they in are. a different phase of their journey. You know, and Absolutely. maybe they haven't gotten there yet. So, no, that, you know, that I can't emphasize, you know, because I, I've seen and heard people who have been tanking on stage. And then, yeah. you know, people are like, oh, God, it's terrible, whatever. But then you, you, you see that person. And they hit that stride where they, they found the right audience who likes them. They found themselves. Yeah. And it is. And they've posted a special. It's online and you still think it's fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Those are most comedians. Not the ones who hit their I'm stride. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with you. I'm saying the ones who haven't found a stride have many specials. <laughs> it's just that they were in the right path at the right time. Now we sounded like sounding like cynical, jaded fuckers. Which is great. Ah, this is what I this is what I look for. That's a sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, this is what gets me off. I've sometimes <laughs> joked that my favorite sound in a comedy club is awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's 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 you know, so weird. I got back to doing a couple of these corporate shows now in the past month. And yeah. you know, I haven't written anything uh, since 2020, like maybe a joke here an observation yeah. there, a premise, like this will be nice, like, oh, you yeah. know, uh, not meet any people. So maybe it's good to, fo- let's focus on a premise about hating people nicely, you yeah. know, something like that. But then, you know, when you come to corporate, you're like, shit, they're like, they're paying you. So then I go back to my, you know, default corporate set. Yeah. And it felt so weird. It was almost like I'm looking at myself going, what the fuck are you but, saying? But you know, here's the thing, Sandeep, I, I mean, I do a lot of corporate work. Yeah. And a lot of comics give corporate gigs, you know, some hate thinking, oh, you know, this corporate gig is so stuffy, I can't. But the, the, the interesting thing is, they're just regular people like us, yeah. who like exactly the same stuff. They're just in a slightly different environment. If and that's can, what pissed me off, that it was not them at all. Uh, yes, out of the four gigs, one, the bar was open, I understand all that. But it, I, I was, I was like looking at myself saying yeah. these things going what are you saying like you're, you're sounding yeah. rusty your timings off so this is absolutely yeah. not on the audience i and i completely agree with yeah. you if the if the setup is according to what you ask them of course there is a corporate so like screw you you're just but, a piece of dirt but there's also but, there's also psychological gamesmanship which hmm. you need to factor in because i'll give you an example i did a show for tcs yeah in pune maybe 10 years ago 300 cios and in advance, like every corporate gig, they say, oh, this is what our brand stands for. Can you keep it clean? Yeah. Can you do this? And of course, people get to the show. They have two drinks. They're like, yeah, thoda masale yeah. Wala now. Yeah. give us some, some dirty stuff. 
But if something goes wrong, then you're the one who has to be blamed. Yeah. So at the top, I get on stage and I say, listen, I'm here on behalf of TCS. Mm. They know their brand. However, I understand human behavior. If you can appreciate that the Papa CJ brand is completely separate from the TCS brand, mm. I can give you a naughty show. Mm. Give me a chair if you want a clean show, complete silence. Mm. Give me a chair if you want a naughty show, 300 people cheer. Mm. Then I look at the senior most client member in the room. I said, sir, what do you suggest we do? He said, please give them what they want. Now, nice. the client's brand is safe. Yeah. The audience can get what they want. And I can do what the audience wants. So everybody's yeah. a winner. So if you do that, I mean, just recently I did an online gig where I was doing a superb fun, the most fun show I've done in a long time. I was doing a corporate roast. They actually asked mm. me to roast the leadership Ooh, and the company. That's pretty ballsy. Yeah, from then. Sa right. Sandeep, I did 45 minutes of customized material. That's I spent cool. six hours talking to people, getting information. And I remember running one joke past the CHRO before saying, mm. you know, what do you think of this? And she said, no, no, I don't think, you know, you should do this. It won't be appropriate. I said, don't worry, just leave it to me. And I cracked that joke and they pissed themselves laughing. <laughs> nice. And she was laughing the loudest. Nice. So, you know, I think you, at some point you've got to trust your own gut and your instinct as a performer saying, you know, let's not have too many. Op and the other thing I always say is, uh, it's either it's easier to get forgiveness than to get permission. Right? True, true. Don't true. ask before, man. <laughs> just Don't do it. No, and, and I'm just you thinking out. You know, thinking of experiences like that because, you know, I, I, you know, and the 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 eye condition thing, right? I never sort of yeah. made it my calling card, right? Because you get trapped yeah. in it. it. It is a great sort of recognition. Yeah. People are like, oh my, you, you're celebrated, but that celebration dies very soon. Beyond that, if you have nothing else, right? If you are only going around with five blind jokes people it's like anything else people realize yeah. you, so you have to build your repertoire of you you have to be you have to build yourself as a comedian and it happens that one of the things that you have is a visual impairment so yeah i make it a point not to sort of um have that sense yeah. of you know people are like oh my god he's 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 the blind comedian but i make it um establish it that guys i can't see so in case i fall off or i need assistance it's a physical yeah safety issue so please yeah. make sure that someone is going to escort me to the stage of the stage because it's just one of those things you don't want to Tell fumble this, do, around. Do, do, do people laugh when you say that not really you know the strange because they can thing. see that you're fucking blind i had pneumonia once i had pains in my chest and i told them i have serious chest pains if i collapse please help me it's not a joke the bastards laughed <laughs> you know strangely i uh, and that's one of those things right i remember when uh, early days comedy store uh, I, had, I had to walk on and i didn't address my eye issue right I would yeah. fumble for the microphone. I would, yeah. the wire would get stuck. And yeah. some people would, there would be awkward laughter, like chuckles, like, is he doing it intentionally? What's happening? And then yeah. I would do one stupid joke, like this is like last night in bed with a girl whose brow, some stupid shit. And more yeah. than them, it would. I would be sweating inside going, oh my God, it's already fucked up. It's off to a bad start. So now yeah. I don't maybe address it publicly to the audience, but yeah. I, tell, I tell the event manager, I'm like, dude, yeah. you will hold my arm, walk me to the mic, give me the mic in my hand, make sure yeah. where the water is. Not because of anything, it's not a disclaimer to the audience. Yeah. It's okay if they are like, what's going on? But yeah. it's, I want the MC to whoever to say this guy is visually impaired, just to make yeah. sure that I am comfortable. 
Now, yeah. whether I choose to talk about it in my set is my thing, right? But I don't want it to be like, yeah. where is the thing, the spot? And you know how yeah. the spotlights hit you? Everyone is blinded. Yeah. But even more so, like, and these stages aren't designed with, you know, yeah. you know access in mind. So there'll yeah. be a pot randomly for aesthetics. So there'll be some yeah. power lamp. And so I don't want any of that to, to mess with yeah. my thought process before a show. You know what I mean? It's like there's a comedian in the UK, at least he was there 17 years ago, uh, called Chris McCausland. Yeah, he's still around. I, in fact, was yeah. gonna, I wanted to get him on uh, at some point. So yeah. he's a blind comic as well. And oh my God, he is so good. Yeah, yeah. So he's good. Great observation stuff. You know? Like, And, and, yeah, and I think yeah. for him is, and he was one of the people I looked at as, and he's completely blind. So he's visibly blind. Yeah. Unlike my eye condition where I could, yeah. you know, if I don't have a cane and I don't look at you, you can say this guy is either got a squint or he doesn't make eye contact. Yeah. But um so it was a big thing for me, like, should I talk about it? But then you know, right, how it becomes. People are like, dude, you should go on. India's so, Got Talent as blind comedian. I'm like, no, man, I don't want that so, to be my entire thing. I, that's one part of my life, just like how, so you, you know. You know, I've got a take on that, which is uh, I I experienced a version of this when I was in the UK. Yeah. Because I was the only Indian comedian in the country, right? And Crazy. a lot of guys told me that, you know, don't talk about being Indian, Right. Because mm. you will get labeled as the Indian comic. You'll get pigeonholed. Yeah. But here's my, my take on this, and I did not agree with them, mm. is if I don't talk about being Indian, who will? Yeah. Right? So yeah. what the visual impairment that you have mm. is something that does make you different and unique. And yeah. the, the things that you can talk about from the point of view of somebody who's living your life is something that almost no other comedian, at least in India, can talk about. No, absolutely. So, and that's where I draw the balance, right? It's important yeah. for me to figure out uh, when I meant blind comedian is the automatic assumption is that I'm the representative for blind people, which I'm not. Yeah. Because we exactly. have such a diverse yeah. country with so many different sure. elements that separate yeah. um, and make us different and unique at the same time. So what, yeah, yeah. But, but at the same time, man, I some when I talk about experiences or mishaps or embarrassing situations. Um, yeah. and now the thing is just like how you are a, you're a guy from Delhi or maybe originally from Calcutta, you've gone through certain experiences yeah. in life and you have certain traits. Maybe you have short tempered, maybe you're lighthearted, whatever makes you who you are. Like Unsuccessful. That, <laughs> that's my choice, man. <laughs> Two like losers my... talking to each other on a podcast that nobody will listen to. <laughs> hey, my mom takes offense to that. <laughs> Sorry, that mom will listen to both our moms. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I don't, I don't see, I think uh, by, uh, and I, I learned from mm. both examples. I, I completely ignored talking about my eyes the first three years in comedy, right? And yeah. I was like terrified of that, right? Because I'm, I'm holding on to this thing, which is such a big part of me. And it's been yeah. a part of 30 years almost at that point, many, yeah. a few more, yeah. So, and as you mentioned, it's something which is truly me and I can talk about it. Why should I hide it? And that was the day where I felt released, right? And Sham was one of these guys who told me, he said, bro, it's, it's your chink in your armor. It's the vulnerability. It's a thing that is one of the things that makes you who you are. Why are you yeah. fighting it? And I didn't have to go by the label of blind comedian, but dude, yeah. I can, when I, when I talk about aspects of experiences in my life that I've read, where my eyes have become, um, come to the forefront, the eye disorder, the moment I do yeah. that, I can get away with other shit, which is so 
difficult for others to pull off because now I'm the disabled yeah. guy talking about blowjobs, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which a straight guy Listen, or you're, non- you're the guy who's always swiping right on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just anything. I'll take a troll. <laughs> Here's a man who will not judge you by the way you look. How awesome is that? <laughs> I just don't judge. <laughs> that's because you have no standards, my friend. I'm no standards. That's not the disability. That's, that's your wife. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> no man but it's 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 a it's a it's a personal choice but i think um yeah no i, I i'm glad that you know that 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 you're a living example of the fact that you can just live your life and not worry about it because i think people need to hear that um but what 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 do you do otherwise because you're not a guy who's solely sitting and writing jokes every day right you do other stuff as well um Which, you know for me i i'm uh, i just like having conversations you know so i'm always looking for opportunities to meet nice people and just strike up conversations yeah in fact one of the things i've put out as a as an offering so to say for organizations is for me to be their chief caffeine officer and okay. the guy who people can call for coffee conversation or a boost How because cool if that? you think okay. about my background i'm a comedian i can make you laugh yeah. i'm an executive coach i've been a management consultant you know uh, and of course i've been a friend for many years So if you want somebody just to jam with whether you want ideas whether you want to vent whether you want to laugh whether you just need a chat because today especially if you look at senior guys in organizations you can't show vulnerability at home you can't show vulnerability in the office mm-hmm. and as so to say connected as we are in this online world yeah. you don't really have somebody you can talk to you know yeah there's a lot of loneliness out there yeah. i mean a, there's a lot of loneliness because there's no safe place to uh to kind of be who you are because you're constantly your threat levels yeah. are high will i be will i be perceived as as the person who said the wrong thing the offensive thing the person who is inconsiderate uh it's yeah. so scary and it's sad for many people and i think most people yeah. are so connected yet they have never been so alone yeah i mean look at yourself you had to set up a podcast just so you could find people to talk to you know I mean. and it's terrible yeah <laughs> and even that they don't respond bastards <laughs> you know hannah gatsby responded uh and that's literally her team was like yeah hannah would be interested what are your podcast numbers and i said it's 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 rated as one of the top <laughs> podcasts on ghana they never fucking responded <laughs> But you, you know said it's the number one podcast by a partially blind comedian based out of Bangalore <laughs> in the Indian subcontinent <laughs> in English. <laughs> yeah. In English. <laughs> no, and then it so happened literally like 3 days after that email which I sent they never responded the Dave Chappelle special dropped and then Hannah yeah. Gatsby got gets called out for this all those things. And you know he said that that statement, right? What did uh, he say? So you should pay a special where he, the transgender people are upset with him yeah. that uh, he puts out that video saying there are three conditions uh, you know uh, if they met I'll meet the trans one is you meet at a time and place of my choosing uh, second is you have to watch my special before you come for the meeting and yeah. third you have to agree that Hannah Gatsby is not funny <laughs> Shapiro said that. He said that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, huh. I was just like, "Oh, do she okay. want to get on my podcast now? Do I want to talk to her about that?" <laughs> But it's such a thing, man. Like, um, right now, you know, I, I, maybe there's too much noise, and I'm sort of following the noise. That's why it feels like there's only that being spoken about. But it yeah. just, I don't know. Like, what? I, I don't. And as you said, right, past 
you're you're doing what you what what and you've been doing for many years is doing what you want to do and i've done that for the past 18 months where i'm just focusing putting my head down enjoying things that i do for myself as opposed to things that yeah. i'm supposed to do right oh he's a great yeah. uh, guitar uh, music comedian or whatever i'm like no i just yeah. play three chords i love playing those three chords over and over again but yeah. Do you, do, from your sense and you see your, your, your wife would be very happy to hear that because that makes you sound like a faithful man I'm playing the same three chords again and again <laughs> no no trust me it's not at all the sign she takes She's like this guy is really limited in his learning abilities <laughs> chords come on man at least a fourth <laughs> but um i don't know do you do you, do you think that yeah, because you said a couple of things which are interesting, like just pick your thing and get good at it, right? But I feel there's a lot of people who want to do all of it and it's are not, not even doing... pick your thing and get good at it. I'm just mm. saying enjoy yourself. Don't do things yeah. because you should be doing them or because that's what somebody else expects from you. Yeah. Or that's what you need to do to be seen as successful how do you in do somebody that, else's eyes. From someone with you 18 know? years of experience, how do you... Uh, okay, I don't know if you have the answer to it, but say uh, someone listening right now, they, they like... Um, they, they like, you know, maybe doing a vlog, right? Or, or maybe they're really good at marketing. Uh, but See, they also follow, like... Just, mm. just follow what gives you joy. And mm. what you have to realize is that you do something, you get good at it, and then the money comes. But, that but does gap it always between, come though, CJ? Because Exactly. That gap between mm. the loving it and the money coming is indefinite. Mm. Right? And that's the period you've got to last out. But also, but, to balance yeah. that out, it's it's very fashionable now to say follow your passion, but passion doesn't necessarily put food on the table. Yeah. So while that, yeah. you need to feel your feed your soul, you need to feed the stomach as well. Yeah. I mean, today Shah Rukh Khan dances at weddings. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's not his core competence, right? So Maybe that's his own. Yeah. But all I'm saying is, every artist does something which he or she in his or her head thinks, oh my god. This is the prostitution side of the business, mm, right? Right. But that's what you have to do to be able to do the things that you want to do. So yeah, because maybe, for like a kid starting out now, for a girl, yeah. a guy looking at doing open mics and we're telling them, okay, get good at doing stand-up, right? Write the jokes well, yeah. that's sketch or stand-up improv, whatever the, yeah. the, the form of expression is. Um, yeah. And then they're looking at this comic stan or they're looking at like this, yeah. America's Got Talent and a million dollar deal and this. Yeah. And, and then they realize, shit, this guy, these guys are talking shit, man. How do you get good five years to get uh, 10 minutes yeah. of material? Are you crazy? I need tomorrow. I need, yeah. I need that corporate show. I need that 1 million. So yeah. when they're faced with that and every day they're watching YouTube or that, because that's where you're drawn. That's where YouTube knows that. The, the, yeah, but the, uh, Sandeep, you, you learn very quickly and you learn by getting fucked, right? Yeah, because yeah. You, you watch this shit on YouTube. It's very glamorous. You get yeah. on stage, you do 10 minutes, you die on your ass. And then like, yeah. oh, this is not as easy as it looks. No, right? I'm, yeah, I, that I agree with. But I'm talking about the other <clears> aspect where they, 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 they're being exposed to these videos of like how to get, um, you know, how to get money uh, earned from home or Bitcoins or this. So they're constantly being bombarded by all of this. And, I'm, yeah. I, and I feel for them and I feel for all of us, right? Because we yeah. want to go watch, like, say, Tiger Woods highlights from the championship. Next thing you're like... Are you sure you can't get a Ferrari because the kid next door bought a Ferrari by making YouTube videos? And you're like, shit, man, what's wrong with me? Am I incompetent? Am I something? You know what I mean? Sorry, this just, it just reminded me of an old joke about, uh, you know, this guy who's talking to a friend who's yeah. a smoker. Right. And he says, you know, you really shouldn't be smoking. He said, how much do you smoke? He said, I smoke 20 cigarettes a day. Yeah. So what does the packet cost? He said, it costs £4.50. Yeah. He says, how long have you been smoking? He says, I've been smoking for 20 years. 
So you see, you know, 4.50 multiplied by 365 days, multiplied by 20 years. He says, you know, if you, if you weren't smoking, you could have had your own Ferrari by now. Yeah. So this guy says, hey, man, do you smoke? He says, mm. no, I don't. He says, where the fuck's your Ferrari? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, there's, I, I, is, there, is there a Yorkshire comedian called Paul Caff? I don't know if I the got his name wrong. The name sounds familiar, but, you know, I left the UK. Right. No, I heard uh, his joke of his, right? So, uh, uh, his, his joke was, what was his joke? He said, um, um, I've given up um, smoking and, uh, I've given up two of my favorite things, smoking and masturbation. Man, I must tell you, it was really hard because I was a 20 a man day and I smoked like a chimney. <laughs> <laughs> I found that a great line. There's the, there's the other one, right? That uh, my father caught me smoking, and to teach me a lesson, he smoked me. He made me smoke an entire packet of cigarettes in one go. Yeah. So like, thank God he wasn't the one who caught me masturbating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what. It's it's funny. It makes me laugh. But people are like, oh, you know, do you, do you hear this? Uh, I, I in 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 your um echo chamber or in your circles where people are like um when they discuss comedians and nowadays everyone is a connoisseur or everyone's a critic and the other day i had some friends are like oh i don't you know dave Chappelle. usually he reacts he, he's been a re he responds to society doesn't react to society but in his new special i felt he was going i'm like dude who the fuck what, what is going on i understand to each person their own they can enjoy com comedy yeah. they don't have to but yeah I don't know, man. Like, I feel there's so much noise and, not, you know, sometimes I would rise to the challenge saying I should represent my art form. Now I'm like, fuck it, the art form will take care of itself. I, I just have to look out for myself, right? Yeah. But is, is there this sense now, uh, and maybe is it a progress, is it a sign of progress, a sign mm -hmm. of evolution in society, but everyone wants to talk about something like everyone knows, everyone knows what is motivating Dave Chappelle, everyone knows um what comedy should sound like what it's, words it's, so, are, mm. it's social media everybody thinks that their opinion is entitled to be heard yeah because everyone can express an opinion now on whatever it is but yeah and what's your honest, take on I that mean, do you, th you do you think that's be, healthy i have no take on that sandeep mm. to each their own i couldn't be bothered to engage yeah you know right so uh, you don't engage them right i don't engage at all i'm not even i'm hardly on social media Mm. You know, I'd rather meet people in person and have real conversations. Oh, yeah, that, that I second as well. I'm very strong so it's believer just, in that. Uh, I think, mm. what is your thing on groups like mobs? Because like for me, I'd love to meet one-on-one. -on -one. And even if it becomes three of us, I'm just like, oh, okay, it just becomes, you know, already. Mobs as in? Mobs as in people, like mob mentality. Like when people become groups and then it's like them versus us. It's like this, you know what I mean? Like people now saying the communities, right? The You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a... Uh, uh, I follows in I follow India's old approach of the theory of non-alignment. You know, <laughs> no, no. Um, what I'm saying is like when you're dealing with even a corporate setup, right? Like you are dealing with a corporate an organization, say 40 CEOs, yeah. right? Yeah. So now it's no longer that CEO might have a name, might have an entire background story, but when they become 40 CEOs, they become yeah. a group. So I'm just asking you, not as your opinion, but when 18 years of working with people in numbers, yeah. do you yeah. what what do you sense? happens like do people give up their individuality for that group uh i'm saying from making them laugh to educating them to giving them knowledge what have you observed that happens when multiple individuals f come together to form something which is so-called larger than them so what i do is uh i break down that group into those individuals ah okay 
right and uh, i especially so this corporate roast that i did for example i'm doing it for an organization yeah not only do i spend 15 minutes talking about the organization and their thinking yeah but i also break it down to individuals right. and generally what happens is you pick on the biggest largest senior most person in the group and when that person is able to laugh at themselves then mm. everybody else comes in line saying man if he can laugh at himself and take a joke why can't i right and also i don't single out people mm. you know if i'm doing jokes i will do it on everybody the other thing mm. is that as a comedian i'm not i don't mind teasing people i don't yeah. mind embarrassing people i'm never hurtful you know yeah. i don't want a single person walking out thinking oh i felt bad and yeah. i think there's a difference because when you're at a on a stage show in a theater people have come to see what you do you can do what you want yeah but because a lot of what i do is corporate and private events i'm not going to come into your house or your environment and yeah. insult your guests that's kind of unprofessional you know yeah 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 so yeah. for me there isn't a real point that i'm trying to prove or trying to show myself for something i'm there to bring joy into those rooms And yeah, I think that's what happens. Is we get warped sometimes, right? We like does our comedy have to carry a message? Does it have to do this? I'm like sometimes, man, just make people laugh. And, and to each to each their own. There are some comics each... for whom it's important for that they be a, an instrument of social change and a voice. Of course, I respect that. I totally you know? respect that. But that's not me. That's I think it. I think everyone carries some sense of that because I feel when you say you make people laugh. it's as important as social change because i think in many ways the person going with a lighter heart they're going back home and for a minute or a few few minutes they've kind of let go of this armor which they're constantly carrying to protect themselves from what um might be out there right so i think when people laugh they're lighter they go home they're nicer to their families and as a result the family's nicer to the nice the neighbors yeah. or whatever that itself so, has changed right well, also it's not the job of anybody else to tell you what kind of a comedian you should be yeah, right? yeah it's like absolutely. sometimes you do you do a charity show and you do it for underprivileged kids and they're like oh why didn't you do it for the animals i'm like yeah. hello i've done it for you know yeah. so each person has to come <laughs> from a place of authenticity yeah. and stand up for the things that are important to you like when i go to yeah. colleges and i see injustice in the way the students are treated Yeah. I talk about those things. Hey, you did something and you got into trouble, right? With uh, one of these colleges. You mentioned that I didn't get into trouble. I mean, I got banned from the college. I don't consider that getting into trouble. Not trouble, but yeah, you You I see what happens is I go to these colleges and I have a real problem because especially engineering colleges. Yeah. Uh the faculty has so much power over the students that they treat these campuses like their fiefdoms. And they uh-huh. enforce the most ridiculous rules. Crazy. There is a rule at a, a college in the south Where if you shake hands with a person of the opposite sex mm. for longer than three seconds, it is considered a public display of affection. There is a fine for that. Dude, that's all. Three seconds is all it takes me. <laughs> anyway, but uh, <laughs> there are guards that have been hired on that's campus mental, to dude. observe this. Now my problem is there is a college in Noida where if you wear printed pajamas when you sleep in your bed at night, there is a fine for that. What are they trying to do with this? Because it's happening across no, the board. Yeah. So my problem is that for four years, and the students are not allowed to question, mm. right? And for four years, they train the minds of the students to not question, and not question ridiculous stuff like this. How are they going to question established knowledge? What will they invent or discover or create when they are just trained to be robots who follow instructions that are given? Then we're just creating so, an entire billion people who are just going to be correct for. back end yeah. processing jobs like call centers just take read a script so then i go and question well. yeah. 
I go yeah. and question them because the faculty has never been questioned. The the egos get hit. Oh yeah. But yeah. but what's happened is that I've learned a way now to get around it. So what I do is, I talk to the faculty first. So yeah. I did this at uh, the R V College of Engineering in Bangalore. Yeah. So I had faculty members there, and I asked them. I said, you know, I just want to ask you a few questions. I said, uh, firstly, I asked them, do you have kids? They said yes. I said, do you have daughters? Some of them said they did. I said, do you think boys and girls should have equal access to educational resources? Mm. Oh, they said yes, yes, they should definitely have, uh, and a few questions like that. Yeah. Uh, and then I said, uh, you know, would, would you be happier? Do you think girls are safer on campus, or do you think they're safer on the roads of Bangalore? Or they said, oh, they're they're very safe on campus. The roads of Bangalore, not so much. Yeah. Then I said, okay, you said that the girls should have equal access to educational resources, but the fact is that the boys can use the library on Sunday, but the girls cannot. Why? Mm. Right. Then I also said the boys have a hostel on campus, but the girls at the end of a college day at six o'clock in the evening, they have to get into an auto rickshaw and go five kilometers away to stay in their hostel. Uh, okay. Why? When this campus is safer? And I said the reason I'm asking you these these questions is because ten years from now your daughters will be grown up and asking you the same questions. So this almost is social change, like in the sense not social change, but so when he, you get these points addressed, you're kind of so defending the students, right? Yeah. I'm I'm just showing a mirror. Yeah, yeah. Right, but now I instead of just showing the mirror straight away, I ask them on the principles first. I get agreement, and then I show them the mirror. And I'm mm. thrilled to say, about six months ago, I got a message from somebody at the R V College of Engineering saying, "Listen, you said this three years ago, and as of now, they have just opened a girls' hostel on campus at the R V College of Engineering." That's pretty quick, man. Three years to build one and open it—that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So sometimes it does have a positive effect. Dude, that's superb, man. No, I think CJ. I think you know. I I, I didn't uh, bring you on to have like an agenda of what CJ has, but I just wanted to talk to you because I think we've had some good chats. Whether it's in Edinburgh, whether it's uh, in Delhi, when you've come out, and I like that. You know, you you come out even though it's you know some sometimes it's the people come out going, can I get a spot at a show? But it's we've actually had a good time chilling out. We in fact <laughs> have more fun after the shows. We have a few drinks and. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I hope we can continue to do that, whether yeah. we continue with stand up or not. And you know, I, I love what. Um, hey, speak for yourself, bro. I'm continuing with stand up. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying that we're stopping stand up. I'm saying stand up as it is. I don't know how it's going to go, but I think yeah. age is one of those things which is on our side. I think we figured out when we did, and we made our mistakes, and I think we enjoy where we are. So. First of all, uh, thank you so much, my friend, for being on this podcast, agreeing to do this at such such short notice, and uh, sharing it your. A, it was a unique experience to talk to Sandeep Rao sober. Is uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a new man, dude. I'm a new man, and uh, so there's safe. no way where I could have hit, snuck in my beer. Uh, when people ask why do you drink so much, I'm like, dude, I want to be Jim Jeffries. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I think um, here's to many more years of chilling and hanging out and talking and uh, yes and I may as I mentioned to playing some golf with you so I'm going to use my blind card even there <laughs> you go for it dude you go for it so yeah. no, when somebody asks you what's your handicap you're like dude hello <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's a no-brainer it's a, a scratch <laughs> cool man. and just to close it on a sentimental note I just want to say that I really cherish our friendship and when I do come to Bangalore if the first thing I do is I think of you, I think of Praveen, and I think of Sanjay. And for me, you will always be the Tridev of Bangalore comedy. 
Oh, that's brilliant, man. It's so good to know because Sanjay and Praveen have left. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always, and the way you're constantly taking the piss out of me, like, like, hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so glad I met those two guys uh, when we did and uh, what yeah. happened, uh, what happened after. But yeah, here's to many more, dude, and appreciate it. And good luck with uh, everything you're doing. Continue the good work and have fun in life and stay in touch. Cool. I will see you on the golf course, my friend. And uh, just put a shout out on your podcast for what you're going to be doing to uh, promote blind golf, uh, people for visual impairment. And this is yes. what you spoke about earlier. No, no, absolutely. I think CJ is going to be involved and um, I've been uh, talking about it on other episodes, but we're just waiting for the organization to formally be yeah. registered. But there's some news coming that way as well because I'm, I've got something to share. But yeah, uh, everyone listening will hear more about it. And if you're visually impaired, you know how to reach me. And uh, CJ, if they want to follow you, can you drop your social media credentials if relevant, nah, when relevant? Nah, fuck it, man. Balls. But, uh, <laughs> no, but you can follow CJ. If, I'll drop his LinkedIn. If, his, if uh, they want to follow me, they'll find me, man. <laughs> yeah, No, I'm going to drop it in the description, but they will find you. And thanks for sharing all your learning and your experiences with everyone who's listened to the episode today. And till next time, my friend, cheers. All right. All the best, buddy. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.